0: Hello, this is Al Jensen, and welcome to Podcasts for Seniors. We've just adopted this new name and thought you would like it. It's pretty pretty easy to find us. Simply podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, podcast, the number four. And then, of course, seniors, S-E-N-I-O-R-S. And if you go into Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and just type that in, you've got us. So glad to have you on board with us. Um... This week we're going to continue on with the Eve From K. Hanks book, Scouting for, with the Mormons on the Great Frontier, and it's chapter two called The Beginning of the Trail. So, I hope you enjoy it. Eve walked as rapidly as he could until about two o'clock the next morning. Then, using his small bundle of clothes for a pillow and his dog close by, he got a few hours sleep in a wooded section near a creek. Arising, he found himself pretty well saturated with dew and he was forced to move rather briskly to keep warm. Soon the sun dried out his clothing and he became comfortable except for his pounding heart, which was keeping in step with his racing mind. He traveled as straight as possible in the direction of Lake Erie. About ten o'clock the boy reached a small village and stopped at the blacksmith shop, hoping to earn enough money to buy something to eat. The loafers who always loaded around a blacksmith shop gave him the bad eye. Recognizing the owner of the shop, Eve walked over and asked if he might blow the billets for him. The old smithy eyed him suspiciously, spat a stream of tobacco juice into the glowing coals, then beckoned him with his head for the boy to go to work. It happened that the blacksmith was making trap springs, and this work was Eve's specialty. Everything went well until the smithy tempered the spring. Then every time he bent the spring down to make the test, it broke. After breaking the third one, he began to think that this boy he was blowing at the billows had brought him bad luck. He was about to send him on his way when Eve asked if he might try one. "'Let the younger boy try one,' called one of the loafers. "'He can't do any worse than you've been doing.' "'All right,' said the disgusted blacksmith shortly. "'Go ahead. He put the steel in the fire, as he had done many times before, and let the smithy shape it until it was ready for tempering.' Then he took from his pocket some fever powder, which his mother always insisted that her boys carry with them in case of chills and fever. He put this white powder into the tempering trough, mixed it well with the water, and heated the steel to a cherry red. Then he took it quickly from the fire and placed it carefully into the tempering trough. While he fished it out, everyone's eyes were fastened upon him. He placed his toe on the spring and bent it down. When he took his foot off, it went with a bounding spring to the ceiling. The onlookers all shouted and laughed when they saw how well it worked, and one exclaimed, The boy is an expert. Where did you come from? asked the smithy. Eve told him as much of his story as he dared, not forgetting to emphasize the fact that he was hungry. The blacksmith took him over to his house and had his wife prepare a good meal for him, remembering to give Ring a few bones. While Eve was leading, the blacksmith asked him if he would stay and work in the shop. Eve said he wanted to work all right, but he was a little too close to home to feel comfortable, as his father might come after him. The old blacksmith's understanding heart reached out for a solution, and soon found it. He had a friend by the name of Chambers who lived on a ranch quite a distance away. Mr. Chambers would be coming by the shop in the afternoon, and he might be able to help Eve find a job. When the mid-morning meal was finished, the runaway assisted the blacksmith in his shop until Mr. Chambers came. After hearing the boy's story, Mr. Chambers decided to give him work on his farm, providing his dog would not bite. Eve assured him that neither he nor his dog would bite do any biting, and thanking the blacksmith for his kindness, he climbed into the wagon with Mr. Chambers, and they drove away to the farm. Eve met the family, looked around the place a little, and the evening meal finished. Mr. Chambers showed him a room, locking the door as he said good night. For two weeks the boy was watched closely. By this time Eve had become good friends with Miss Chambers and Helen, the blind daughter. And from then on nothing was too good for him. He was allowed every privilege as though he were a member of the family. His work on the ranch included chopping wood, milking cows, husking corn, and other odd jobs. One day when the work was quite well caught up, Eve went with Mr. Chambers to hunt squirrels. Up to this time he had not been trusted with a gun, after seeing his king marksmanship and bringing down a squirrel with every shot. His employer allowed him to hunt whenever there was time, hence squirrel meat was almost a regular diet for the Chambers family. Eve was delighted by the way Miss Chambers prepared it, in her outside oven. Working on the farm soon wore out the few clothes which Eve had brought with him, and patches became the order of the day. Many times his clothes had so many patches that he looked like a scarecrow, ready for action." The blind girl, Helen, was the only one who did not have a hearty laugh at them. Had she been able to see, she would have thought Eve's clothes had been made out of crazy quilt. When they could be patched no longer, Miss Chambers turned her husband's old clothes inside out and made them over for the squirrel hunter. On the 4th of July, Mr. Chambers, urged by his wife and daughter to trust Eve, as he was strictly honest, loaned him a horse to ride into town for the celebration. There he chanced to meet an old friend, Bill Reed. Who had been raised from little boyhood in the Hanks home? Bill was five years older than Eve and had been out in the world earning his own living for some time. They were delighted to see each other, and Bill chuckled at the clothes which Eve was wearing. He marched his young friend straight down to a store and bought him a complete new outfit. Bill then insisted that Eve set the borrowed horse loose so it could go home, and then that the boy go <clears throat> with him to work on the Erie Canal. But even in these new clothes Eve said he could not forget his promise to the Chambers family to return, The two spent the day together, and after making an appointment to meet the next day in town at 10, Eve made his way back to the Chambers farm. The next day, when Eve told his new friends of his decision to leave them, there was much sorrow. Helen had become so attached to Ring that she had worked with him and petted him until a dog responded to her commands as readily as he did to those of his master. With a strong cord tied to his collar, he would lead Helen out to the farm at milking time to get warm milk and was, by the way, becoming a real seeing-eye dog. The only time he seemed anxious to be with Eve now was when the boy would take down his rifle to go squirrel hunting. Then a chain could not hold the dog back. Helen's father asked the boy to leave Old Ring with his daughter. Not wanting to be selfish, Elf consented to do so. There were tears shed as Mr. Chambers paid him off and he walked slowly away from the farmhouse, leaving behind his friends and his dog. A lump arose in his throat that was hard to swallow. Time after time, he looked back to see Helen holding on to Ring and Miss Chambers waving goodbye. So that finishes chapter number two. Uh, Next week, we'll move into chapter number three called Three Canal Ruffians. So, Hang in there, and hopefully within the next three to four days, you'll see chapter number three. Again, thank you for listening.